Well, we are not in Mark anymore. Um, we are going to spend the next two months in Proverbs. And we're, we're looking at uh, <clears throat> Proverbs in light of seven deadly follies. And so this morning is more of an introduction of why we would want to go to Proverbs. Um, and then really where we're headed for these next eight weeks. We, when we think about Proverbs, uh, many of us think about Old Testament, we think uh, pithy little statements, we think one-liners, and all of those things are true, but all of Proverbs are being drawn from the law of God, right? God established his law so that we would live in right relationship with him, but also so that we would live in right relationship with each other. And so the wise men who would speak these Proverbs were, were pulling truths from the law and then putting them in ways that we would be able to remember them. Putting them in statements that we would be able to, to process and to have memorized. So that when the situations of, of life arose, we would be able to go to wisdom. To draw on their wisdom and say, what does it look like? What is the right choice in this situation? And so that's why we're going to spend our time in Proverbs. These Proverbs are short sayings of wisdom that teach us how to live in right relationship with God and with those around us. Often they go even deeper than just behavior. Uh, they point to character, right? We want to be people that have character. Now listen, character, we all have character. Some of us have character that is fashioned after the character of God, and some of us have character that is not. But we all operate out of a character. And so the Proverbs are talking about what is the character of God that as image bearers, as those that are called to walk in his ways, we should be portraying to the world. This character that's required to live a righteous and God-glorifying life. But here's the thing. Before we dive into Proverbs, <laughs> Proverbs are often taught as moralism. Hey, here's what you need to do to, to do the right thing. That's true. It is what you need to do to walk in the way of the Lord, to walk in the fear of the Lord. But the reality is that we all fall short, and God has given us his law for, for several purposes, and one of those purposes is to show where we fall short. So when you read these things and you're like, man, I remember the other day where I was not patient, like this wise man is telling me to be patient, or where I did not flee temptation like this wise man is telling me to flee temptation. Remember that, that there is one who has done it on our behalf, and we've already professed and proclaimed that that is true, that Jesus walked in perfect righteousness. But in response to that righteousness that has been given to us, that has been imputed to us, how do we live? We have choices constantly to choose wisdom or to choose folly, to press into what, is, what we know is good and right, or to do what we want, which are often two very different things. And so we're going to walk through these Proverbs and say, God, would you change us? Would you conform us into a people of character that would live differently? And maybe, maybe one of the things to think about is we've titled the sermon series Fight for Joy. And you're like, Fight for Joy? That seems weird. That, I'm having a hard time connecting those two things. The reality is that the joy that we receive when we walk in the fear of the Lord is a satisfying joy that we are not going to find anywhere else. 
It's a joy that the whole world is looking for. It's a satisfaction that everyone is, is driving to, and yet few find it because only God Himself can satisfy that desire that we have. And so this morning, we, we press into what does it look like to fight for joy. And we're going to talk about seven, seven sins that, that really try to lure us away. Pride and envy, wrath, sloth or laziness, greed, gluttony, lust. Right? These things would all draw us in, and we look at this woman folly that, that is given to us in Proverbs 9, and, and she's, she's trying to lure people in, but really she doesn't offer anything. But wisdom offers life. And so this morning, I'm going to press into that. You see, we talk about these uh, idols in our lives, power, approval, comfort, and control, but the reality is that there's no joy in those things. There's no satisfaction there. But we often run to them. We run to these other sins. But our hope is that we would fight for joy so that we would be satisfied by the God who knows us better than we even know ourselves. He knows what we need more than we do. He knows what would truly satisfy us more than we do. Like that's the God that the Proverbs point to that is powerful in creation, that created everything that we see, man, how amazing that we get to sit here and look out and see God's creation and marvel at it and then remember that he has, he's created all of this and he knows it and he knows us better than we do. We fight for joy because joy that God gives is a lasting joy. It goes beyond death and sheol that the woman folly would invite you into, but it gives everlasting life. It's a lasting joy. Finally, Proverbs give us wisdom. Table Talk magazine, it's a periodical published by Ligonier Ministries, and it's published, they published an issue on Proverbs and wisdom literature in 2007, and they define wisdom this way. Wisdom is a virtual synonym for righteousness in the book of Proverbs. The prologue tells us these Proverbs are given for wisdom and righteousness. Proverbs 1.3. Another helpful Resource that I've found is uh, Leland Riken in his book, Short Sentences Long Remembered, says, Wisdom is skill for living. We are given this life to live. How do we live it? We want to live it with wisdom. He goes on and he says, This implies that wisdom focuses on practical daily living and ties in the author's task of observing life and human experience. Our hope is that in Proverbs, we, we pull out these nuggets of wisdom on how to live and walk in the fear of the Lord. Listen, there's a couple things that we get out of that. One of them is that we can actually have right relationship with each other. So much of Proverbs points to the opposite of those sins. It points to humility. It points to patience. It points to generosity instead of greed. And so we live rightly. And we have right relationship with each other. But the reality, the greatest reality that we have when we walk in wisdom, when we live in the way, in the fear of the Lord, is that we glorify God. And that's when we talk about the, the greatest questions. What is the soul in? What is the soul purpose of man? That we would glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That's why we were created. That's what we were created to do. And so these Proverbs help us to do that. 
So let's pray and ask that God would give us ears to hear and eyes to see this morning. God, we thank you even as we've seen Jesus teaching through the parables over the last couple of weeks, Lord. You, you've said, let him who has ears hear. And so, Lord, we know that, that even hearing and right understanding, right wisdom comes from you. And so we would ask this morning, God, would you, by the power of your spirit and through the working of your word, give us ears to hear that we would see and know, God, that even the questions, even the choices that we have of choosing wisdom or folly would give you glory. God, it wouldn't make us look good or make us look wise, but it would give glory to a God who is creating a people that walk in his ways. We trust you for these things in your name. Amen. Well, if you remember um, back in the fall when we were walking through the Psalms of Ascent, we looked at not only what the psalmist would say, but even how, the, how it was laid out for us often. And the beauty of literature and the beauty of the way that the poetry was spoken and given to us. Well, we have some of that here in Proverbs 9. It's, it's, a, it's a chiasm. It's a, it's a teaching of, hey, there's two different ways that you can go. You can pursue folly or you can pursue wisdom. And then they actually, uh, wisdom and folly are both personified in two different women. And so we're just going to walk through the text this morning. The Lady Wisdom, verses 1 through 6, what does she look like? Well, first off, she's a, she's a woman that's prepared. It's not haphazard. It's not random. She has gone out and she has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She's slaughtered her beast. She's mixed her wine and she's also set her table. She sent out her young women to call. All of this is, is premeditated. All of this is prepared. All of this is part of her plan to invite us into wisdom, to share at this banquet feast where we would receive and we would be able to walk in that wise way. Lady Wisdom is, is prepared. And she calls, and her call is to the simple and the senseless. Anybody else that's good news for us this morning? The simple and the senseless, right? That's us. Okay? We, we are being called. And I'm not talking simple versus complex. I'm, I'm talking simple like they're not all that right. Okay, and so that's good. That's good. We don't have to have it together, and we don't have to have uh, crazy, wicked smarts like Chris would like to say to be able to come, right? We can just come as we are. Her call is to the simple and sim- simple, uh, senseless. She says in verse 4, Whoever's simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, Come, eat of my bread, and drink of the wine I've mixed. Leave your simple ways and live. And walk in the way of insight. Listen, she offers life. The lady wisdom tells you to come and to eat, to to partake of this, because you've been given this bread and this drink of the wine that she's mixed. The wisdom that she's been given, she offers to you. And so this morning, we leave our simple ways We don't want to live that way. We want to live in wisdom. We want to walk in the fear of the Lord. Well, on the other hand, you have this woman, Folly. And so to contrast the two, jump to verse 13. The woman, Folly, is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. 
We also see that she sits at her door. She doesn't prepare. She doesn't go out and create the banquet table. She sits. She's haphazard. She's lazy. But she is loud in her call, and she is seductive in her call. But when we think about folly, what is it that draws us to doing foolish things? It's often that culture itself is foolish and the call to do it is so loud that we can't hear anything else. We don't hear the other call. We don't hear the offer to come to a separate table, a better table, because the offer is so loud. Not only is it loud, but it's already reaching into our inner sin, right? Our longing to be in control, our longing to be our own God and to make our own path. It's seductive. It draws on these things that we secretly want. But we need to be recreated to have a new way of thinking, a new mind that is being transformed. Woman Folly, she's loud and seductive. She's haphazard. But her call is the same. And this is where it gets a little interesting. Her call is to the same people. She says, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, the call, like word for word, that is the same in verse 16 as it is in verse 4. Both folly and wisdom call to us. Because we are the simple, we are the ones without sense. But they offer something different. One is offering life. And what is the woman folly offering? She says this, stolen water is sweet. And bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Listen, that stolen water is sweet and the bread eaten in secret is pleasant. I mean, that's a, a direct contrast to the woman wisdom, the lady wisdom who's gone out and she's prepared and she's done all kinds of things to prepare this feast for you to eat at. The woman folly, she's stolen bread and she's doing things in secret. But we're drawn to that, and we think that we can get away with it. But the reality is that 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 way leads to death. Verse 18, but he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. She offers nothing but emptiness and death. So if those are the two choices, what are we left with? What do we do with these choices that we have? Maybe right now you're already thinking, like, I know specifically some ways where I have been drawn to foolishness and folly. Hold that in your mind, and then let's, let's press into this middle part here. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, verse 7. And he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. Again, we are given these first three lines that talk about what does the fool do? The fool rejects wisdom. The fool rejects correction. The fool doesn't want to be told what to do. But the wise man, he'll love you if you reprove him. He'll he'll honor you if you... um, He will get wiser as you give him instruction. He will increase in learning as you teach him. But all of this starts with verse 10. 
What is the beginning? As we seek wisdom, where do we go to find wisdom? Verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If we want to walk in wisdom, we have to have a fear of the Lord. I'm not talking about being scared of the Lord, although there is, there is an aspect of that. But I'm talking about an honoring that says, God, you are real. And so my whole life should be formed and conformed to who you are and what you say I should do. If we don't start there, then all of this is for naught. But if we begin with the fear of the Lord, with an honoring and a recognition that God is creator, he is all powerful. He has done all of these things. And if he's done all of these things, then he has the right to tell me how to live. And so I'll walk in the fear of the Lord. The knowledge of the Holy One is insight. What is wisdom? What is insight? How do I gain these things? I walk in the way of the Lord. And then we have this beautiful promise in 11 and 12, for by, or in verse 11, for by me your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself, but if you scoff, you alone bear it. Listen, all of this is, we talked about the wise men's sayings. Where were they pulling this from? Where are they getting these ideas from? How does the, how does the wise teacher say the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom? Well, he's pulling from Deuteronomy, from the law, from what God has given to his people to tell them who he is. Deuteronomy 10, verse 12, and then verse 20, it says this, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul? You shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him and hold fast to him, and by his name you shall swear. This is what God delivers to Israel through Moses. His declaration, what does the Lord require of you? Fear the Lord your God. Walk in His ways. Love Him. Serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. This is the way of wisdom. This is the way that gives great glory to the God who is redeeming for Himself a people. This is what it means to honor God by having a singular devotion to Him and His way. But even as we say this, we recognize that we have not pursued God in wisdom. Instead, we've at times wandered, and at other times, we've straight up rejected who He is. We've said, I'm going to do it my own way. We've sought what we want, and that is folly. That is foolishness. When we have a God who has created everything, and we look at it, and it's perfect, and it's beautiful, and we say, I'm not going to do it your way, I'm going to do it my way, that's foolishness. And the psalmists, they speak of it. Psalm 53, verse 1, says this, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt, doing abominable iniquity. There is none who does good. In and of ourselves, we will not do any good. We will not walk in wisdom. We will not honor God. We will be fools because we would say there is no God. I have a band that I really enjoy listening to, Seeker and Servant, and they have a song called Fools. And the The beauty of it is the chorus really describes who we are. It says, we're trading the truth for a lie. 
In our eyes, we are wise. Losing sight, becoming blind, we're all fools. We walk in foolishness, except that God would pull us out of that foolishness, would give us a new heart and a new mind that would long to fear Him, to serve Him, to honor Him. How do we know that? Because there's one who has walked in perfect fear of the Lord. We see it. We've been looking at it in the book of Mark. We've watched Jesus and we've seen how he walked in perfect righteousness. Doing the will of the Father in the big picture and also doing the will of the Father in the, in the immediate relationships with the people that he comes into contact with. He walks in perfect obedience to God. And so because he walks in perfect obedience to God, when he goes to the cross and he lays down his life, his life is not the payment for his sin. His life is the payment for our sin. That's what we have. So even as you say, man, I've been foolish, the gospel says that yes, you've been foolish, but you have one that has walked perfect righteousness on your behalf. My sin over the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part, but the whole has been nailed to the cross. And I bear it no more because of the perfect one who has been the sacrifice for me. And out of that truth, out of that identity, now I say, God, how do I walk in the fear of the Lord? How do I choose wisdom instead of folly? God, I want to honor you with this life that you've you've given back to me because I was dead and you gave me life. I was sitting at at the table with the woman folly and I was eating death. And yet you brought me out and you set me at the, the table of wisdom and now I eat life. God, would you use my life for your glory? So what does a life shaped by the fear of the Lord look like? Well, A, we're going to talk about it for the next two months. So you're not going to get it all right here. But let's, let's just boil that down a little bit. What does a life that is shaped by the fear of the Lord look like? Well, we've got one recorded for us. We look at the life of Jesus and we follow what he does. And we follow what he says. And we become Christ-like little Christians, right? Little Christ's. Christians, we like Jesus can walk in a way that pursues God. And if we are in Christ, then that is what our life will look like. If we have been bought, if we have been purchased by his sacrifice, then our life will look like pursuing God. It looks like wisdom in the midst of fools. See, the life of the believer is one that walks in wisdom instead of folly. I want to leave you with this last thing. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. The author writes, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen, the beauty of this is that Jesus is pursuing the joy that is set before him. So when we talk about fighting for joy, we want that same joy that Jesus has, that he would please the Father in his righteousness. 
We want to walk in that same righteousness. We long to be children who fear the Lord. To do that, let us lay aside every weight. Let us put aside folly, the sin that clings so closely. Let us run from folly and foolish ways and let us pursue wisdom. Let us run from sin. God, would you kill sin in us so that we could walk in the righteousness that you have purchased for us? Amen? Amen. Amen. This morning, we run as he has run. For the joy that is set before us, we fight for joy. God, we thank you. We thank you that even as you call us to do something, as you call us to run, you've already done it. And so we, Lord, we we don't... We struggle with what to do with that, but yet we know that you have called us to walk in wisdom, to walk in the fear of the Lord, to pursue righteousness. And so, Lord, would you, by the power of your Spirit, through the transforming power of your Word, do that in us? Lord, we long to be people that would uh, say, we have a great God who is Lord of our lives and who can do what he wants with our lives for his glory for his fame, that he would be made known. Lord, make us into that people today. In Jesus' name, amen.